This week on the Vergecast, you know what it is. It's the iPhone event, the iPhone 11, the iPhone 11 Pro, the iPhone Pro Max, new iPads, Apple Watches, some service talks, and we got to do some pixel leaks. That's Vergecast coming up now. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello, and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcasts of the 5G revolution. Mm-hmm. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Where's that 5G race money? Wow. Bring it to me. I am Neelai. I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. I am right here. Okay. Yes. I'm going to be crabby in this podcast. It's going to be fun. Okay. That's exciting. Paul Miller is here. Hello. How's it going? I promise to bring a, a sense of optimism to the show. That's good. I like it. I can explain my crabby thing. I'm I'm publicly now saying that I've dropped the vape, just like uh, oh. Ashley Carmen's excellent story pointed out to everybody that people are dropping vapes. I have done that as well, which means my nicotine content has dropped, which means my weight has gone up, and so has my relative level of like ambient anger. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> There is real tech news this week. The, <laughs> the the good stuff. Tech season is here. There was an Apple event, y'all. Dieter and yeah. I went to the circle. Mm. We were in it. It was big. There was mm-hmm. like a lot of people there. Two Pro phones, as we expected. An iPhone 11, a new Apple Watch, mm-hmm. a surprise iPad. There's just a lot going on. Yeah. Some service announcements. Where do you want to start, Dieter? Honestly, we just got to start with the iPhones. Like, that's it. Uh, I, I, there's a bunch of other stuff. We want to get into it. We could, like, tease the listeners by saying we're going to get to the big stuff later. But you just want to know about the big <laughs> iPhones right now. So we're just going to tell you. So we were there. Dieter and I were there. It was, I would say the event was muted. It's funny how people ask a lot about, like, what's the vibe? Yeah. I will tell you right now, the vibe at any tech event does not matter. Like, if you have a bunch of journalists and employees of your company together in a room and they're excited, it doesn't make the products good. If they're <laughs> crabby, it doesn't make the products bad. Like, it just doesn't matter. Uh, but the vibe, I would say, I'll just say it, the vibe was kind of muted. What are they going to do? Uh-huh. Are they going to surprise us? Are they going to, like, make a move to, like, really jump the thing ahead? Is it going to be iterative? And everyone's kind of expecting these iterative updates to the phones. And I, that's more or less what they delivered. Yeah, no, no one, no one was like unreasonably like, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, no one was saying, oh, I'm really disappointed. It was just like, yep, that's this is what we hoped you would do. You did it, cool, great. Let's go look at it. That was like, it was a chill, relaxed. You made the things. Vibe. Yeah, and the keynote was uh, they moved it along really fast. They just like up and running, and they ended with Apple Retail, which I think is uh, notable. We'll come back to that in an end. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with the fun. So, as we expected. They basically revved the 10R and the 10S and changed the names. So the 10R got revved into the iPhone 11, 
which I think yep. is a meaningful name because now it is just the iPhone. That's the iPhone you should get. That's what we've been saying about the 10R. They added an ultra-wide camera. That's basically what they did. They swapped the telephoto for the ultra-wide. Well, the R didn't have a, a tele. It had just the regular wide, so yep. they added a second camera. But anyway, we'll come back to that. Yeah, so they added the second camera. It's an ultra-wide. They rev the processor to the A13 Bionic. That's what they did. It's a new color. <laughs> that's, like, that's what they did. Uh, and they changed the design of the back a little bit so, so it's a square. Um, yep. The camera bump is a square. Then they took the 10s and the 10s Max. They renamed them the iPhone 11 Pro and the iPhone 11 Pro Max, which I believe is the most unwieldy product name Apple has ever come out with. And those have a new OLED screen that gets a lot brighter. That's the big one. The screen is also more power efficient. They added a third camera. So the 10s already had the standard and the telly, and then they added the ultra-wide to that one as well. And the back is matte. That's it. That's like more or less, it has a slightly faster LTE camera. So really the difference in these phones, same processor, same basic camera and the normal and the ultra wide. The mm -hmm. Pro adds OLED display. It adds a matte finish back and it adds a telephoto camera. Yeah. And slightly faster LTE, which is just like an impossible thing to measure or test for most people. Like it either happens to you or it doesn't. One other thing that the Pro adds, which I think is actually a little bit noteworthy, although it's, I have mixed feelings about it, it adds a smaller size option. The, the default iPhone 11 is the exact same size as the iPhone XR, and it's big. The size is, like, large. And the iPhone 11 Pro is the same size as the iPhone XS, the iPhone X, which is just slightly smaller. It's still a big phone. I don't think that the, the, the standard 11 is so much bigger than the Pro that it's, like, going to drive you crazy. But I do guarantee you that there are people in the world who are probably going to spend the extra money to get the Pro because it's just a little bit smaller. Yeah, I think that's right. There's one other thing that I think is worth mentioning uh, in terms of new stuff, uh, and we should get into why, uh, and that's battery life. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max, a big difference from the 10s is that they no longer have 3D touch, and they are slightly thicker and heavier. So I think they took out the 3D touch stuff, they made the phones a little bit bigger, and they stuffed a much bigger battery in these phones. So the 11 Pro gets four hours of additional battery life. The 11 Pro Max gets five hours of additional battery life. That is compared to the 11, which has a more efficient processor, gets one hour of additional battery life. Right. So you don't get those huge jumps over the previous model just by refinements. They just shoved a bigger battery in there. But this is exciting, and I don't know if it's important, but it's uh, it feels important as a statement that we can finally make things thicker because we did a <laughs> lot of work making thin. It's fun when it's thin, but it's not good if, it's, if you're going to sacrifice on heat performance, performance performance, or battery performance. Yeah, and it's funny because it I didn't even realize it was thicker or heavier until I was done at the event. I was like in the hotel room. I'm reading The Verge's coverage, and I see Heimgartenberg be like, "Hey, it's thicker and heavier because there's a bigger battery." <laughs> and I was like, "I, you know, I was there. I was holding it. I, you know, we made our videos. We did all the things. I carry a 10s Max every day. I picked up the the 11 Pro Max. Did not notice. Right? It is imperceptibly wow. thicker and heavier, and you get five hours of additional battery life." Like, right. I, there's a lesson there, everybody. Now do laptops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those are the kind of the top line changes. We should dive into these cameras because that's really, I think, where all the action is. Dieter's, <sighs> Dieter's making a face at me. Why don't, why don't you think so? So, okay. 
the, all the action is in the cameras. I and mean, this was my like thing I wrote before the event. Like they gotta, they gotta do something with the cameras. They at least have to get up to par with the current state of Android cameras, which is quality of the pixel, number of lenses of everybody else. Like do well with the cameras. And I think that is where like most of like the thing to pay attention to most of the action. And for a lot of people, like most of the reason to upgrade is. But for me, even though there's not a whole lot else to say about it because we've already said it, like to me, the the most important thing, the best upgrade here assuming they did the work on the cameras, is that the small pro got that extra four hours of battery life. But again, there's nothing else to say. Let's talk about the cameras. Well, I, I mean, there's something there in the in the reframing of these devices, right? Right. That, you know, the iPhone 10 came out and they put out the iPhone 8 and they're like, the iPhone 10 is the future of the iPhone. All, you know, this, this is new gesture system, new screen, OLED, the whole thing. And, you know, a couple years later, the iPhone 11 mm-hmm. is not, it's, it's not an OLED screen anymore. It's a 720p right. LCD. It looks fine. I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have 10Rs and think it looks just fine. The OLED screens on the Pros just look way better. And it's right. still like a 7. Oh, and they cut prices. This is notable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The iPhone 11 starts at $699, uh, which right. is- Instead of 749 Instead right. of 749 So that's a huge statement of this is going to be the mainstream phone. Right, it's in it. It's more inexpensive than before. It's competitive on price against flagships. It offers you a bunch of the features of the flagships, mm-hmm. and then if you want to spend a thousand dollars for the best stuff Apple can give you, yeah. you can get the Pro Phone. Uh, or and if- notably, that six ninety nine price is like really competitive with that like just sub ultra premium tier of Android phones. Like it's head to head with like the OnePlus Seven Pro, basically, right? Yeah. Um, and that is interesting because. I don't know how many people are actually comparison shopping like a high-end Android phone and an iPhone, like, um, or especially an iPhone 11. But if someone was like, oh, I want an iPhone, but look at these fancy new Android phones, like the iPhone 11 is a pretty bold statement of, no, you don't need to go that way. You can you can spend your 700 bucks and get an iPhone. Yeah, with a 720p LCD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it, it is a significant sort of like spec downgrade compared to the, the OnePlus stuff. But right. I think most people, at least in America, this is not true in other places, and we should talk about that too, but if you're locked in the iMessage walled garden, right, like one of Apple's jobs is to like make that garden like a very nice garden, right, and to keep you from ever even thinking about leaving it, and now they've got a bunch of like price points inside the garden with competitive feature sets where you're like, you know, I could leave and like endure the switching costs of the green bubble and getting all my new apps and... I don't know, Google surveilling me relentlessly. Whatever it is, whatever whatever happens outside these walls, or I can just like pay the 700 bucks and like be happy. I think that's one of Apple's jobs now. I'm not yeah. saying that I love the walled garden. I think everybody knows how I feel about the walled garden. But as the maintainers of the walled garden, I think, at least in the United States, Apple has to – it has to be competitive inside the walled garden. I think that 11 does that really well. I think yeah. you go to – in this, I think, a lot – this will segue right into the camera stuff. You go to – like the Chinese market, where iMessage has no hold and everyone's jumping around all the time, there's like massively competitive ecosystem uh, among Android and iOS. They, then they've got to be competitive on hardware specs. And right. I think you see that with the Pro. I think you see that with these cameras. So that, like I said, that's a segue into the cameras. I think you look at the phones Apple wanted us to compare the iPhone 11 Pro to. You look at the phones out in the world. There's a bunch of Android phones that have three cameras. There's yep. a bunch of Android phones that have a billion features for their camera apps. 
uh, and Apple basically added all of those in. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> There's a ton of features in the camera app now. It's got a bunch of stuff built into it. They didn't go full Periscope. No, and they also didn't put a bunch of important camera settings inside the camera app. Like, some of them are still in the settings app, which is just crazy. It is ridiculous to switch the video resolution from, like, 1080p to 4K. You have to jump out to the settings app and, like, do it. Like, what is one of the main settings that you want to change on the fly when you're, like, opening video is, am I going to blow my storage on 4K60 right now, or do I just need to take a quick video? And that's, like, into the settings app. Anyhow, so let's focus on the Pro because the 11 is basically the same without the telephoto. So three cameras on the Pro. Main camera, f1.8, 12 megapixels. It appears the sensor is slightly different. It's now 100% focus pixels. Mm -hmm. My sense is that it can actually address higher ISOs. Um, So it might be a little bit less noisy. I think the 10s. I was just rereading our 10S review. You were not impressed with that camera. It's funny how tentative I was in saying, like, medium photos are medium. <laughs> like, I'm, I know how I, I, I've been using this camera for a year, and I, I think everyone has heard us. You just wrote that great piece. Like, they still look like smartphone photos. Right. And, like, I'm, I'm reading that review. I'm like, why was I so polite to these photos? <laughs> They're like, <laughs> they look weird. If you agree with me, then they look weird. Like, the smart HDR and the 10S sensor – they generated some, I think, aesthetically weird photos. You know, they pulled up all the shadows, they dropped all the highlights, everything was very flat. The sensors were very noisy, and they did a, a ton of noise reduction, so they crushed mm-hmm. a lot of detail. So compared to the Pixel, compared to the uh, like the Samsung phones, which do a lot of sharpening, I, I think the iPhone was just well behind. And again, it's funny how how polite I was about it in the review. <laughs> Which, for, from watching the watching the keynote online, like, I haven't handled the phone, but from just a, a, a remote perspective, it seems like Apple's fully focused on sweater detail this year. Is that yeah. correct? <laughs> well, so that's, uh, we'll get to that. So they've, so they, they've got a slightly different sensor for the main camera, F1.8 lens. The telephoto lens in the Pro is a little bit faster. It's F2.0. Yep. And then the ultra wide is f two point four, which right. I, I mean, if you're doing like low weird low light ultra wide stuff, like fine. Um, yeah. So you got three different lenses, three different sensors going on. Apple says they're all twelve megapixels, and they insisted that they're all of basically like comparable quality. Oftentimes, when you get a multi sensor camera on Android, like the main one's great, and then the wide or the telephoto are like kind of garbage. They're there, but they're clearly cheap and crappy compared to the main. And this has been true of the iPhone as well. The telephoto, a better lens, right? Telephoto lens, like you get different foreshortening. Pros like to use it. You can like make all kinds of arguments, but a slower lens with a worse sensor. I never used it because it, it always looked worse to me. So hopefully the you know the new faster lens and the tele um, and the slightly better sensors all around are gonna make an improvement. Then they added a night mode, which is something that the Android phones have done for a long time. Uh, the night mode's really interesting. I played with it a little bit. Uh, it's automatic, so it senses that it's in the dark. You get a little yellow circle at the top. You get a meter at the bottom, like a dial, and you can select how long you want the shutter to, like you want night mode to operate basically. Right. So you can just turn it off. It starts with like a suggestion and you can like ramp it up or down depending on what you want to do with it. But it goes, it starts like, we think in this mode it should be three seconds or five seconds or whatever, right? right? Yep. So yeah. then you hit the shutter, you hold still, thing counts down three seconds. I think it goes up to like nine or 10. Yep. They said their goal was not to make night into day, which is something that they were very critical of other phones tonight modes for doing. 
we will have to see. So they're trying to do this like very naturalistic sort of night mode. Um, they added a bunch of new portrait mode effects. Dieter uh, <laughs> rolled his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cool thing with the portrait mode is you can now do it in more lenses than you could before, right? You could Before you could only do it on the wide. Now you can do it. I think it's on the wide and the ultra wide or wide and tele. No, no, before you could do it on the telephone. So when you switch right, to port- when right. you switch to the true portrait mode on the on the ten S, it would kick you into the tele. Um, and now you can kind of do it everywhere, and they're they're faking it a bunch of different ways. Then the the sort of the big trick that they added was when you're in the main lens or the tele, the viewfinder is like the viewfinder, and then it shows you what's outside of the frame of the main of the lens you're going to shoot. So you're right. the, you're you're using the the main lens. It'll show you here's the stuff the ultra wide can see. That is really interesting to me. I I hadn't quite caught this, and then I was like playing with it more at the hands on. It is actually compositing both sensors, right? right? So it's like showing you what the main sensor sees here, and then it's grabbing the stuff from the other sensor to show you the top and the bottom, and like warping it to fit. So if you like jiggle the phone, they all move at different rates. Um, <laughs> it's like super impressive technically that they have everything going and warping in real time and it's showing you one image. But if you like try to break it, you can, and it's like, it just shows you how cool it is. Um, there are some features related to that. Like one, it just helps you zoom out. Like you're like, oh, I can see some more stuff, I'm gonna zoom out. But if you're like shooting a video, there's a setting that's on by default, capture outside the frame. So you're like shooting a video, somebody cut off of your frame, it will intelligently grab it from the other sensor and like map it in, which is super cool. You can turn that setting on for photos as well. It's off by default, and this is for Apple is like, sometimes people just want to crop people out of their photos. <laughs> so we didn't want to turn it on by default. Uh, it's, it's called future ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's there. You can turn it on. And then there's another setting to have those changes made um, automatically or not. So like that to me is really interesting. Like they're, they're trying to use all these sensors together in, in weird ways. I do not have a good sense for what these photos look like. The main thing that I was critical of last year is that Smart HDR was way too aggressive. It looked super weird, and the camera was noisy, so the noise reduction was out of control. Apple is showing us photos. Uh, I thought this was great that they did this. I think this is like a level of honesty that most companies don't give you. When they, If you go back and watch the keynote, they show you the technical details of every photo they're showing you. So you're just looking at them, and it's like ISO 30, 13,000 shutter speed. Right. ISO 20, 15,000 shutter speed. And it's like, yeah, any camera looks good if you have a floodlight pointed <laughs> at your subject <laughs> and you're capturing it like insane shutter speeds with low ISO. Like, of course. Um, yeah. So I think those images to me did not, they don't tell a story, right? Like, did Smart HDR get better? Well, I don't know. All I saw was these incredibly well lit images in incredibly beautiful places. We're going to have to use it. Then, Paul, there's the mode that you're talking about, the sweater mode. Sweater mode. Um, and we only got to see two pictures in sweater mode. Yeah. One, one's the dude in the sweater, and then we saw, like, a lady in a different sweater. <laughs> like, those were the <laughs> pictures we saw. Um, this is called Deep Fusion, right? It's called Deep Fusion. So smart yeah. HDR and the Pixel, for example, they're, they're HDR modes. They take a base frame, and then depending on which camera you're using. So, the, like, for example, the Pixel, 
when you pick up the camera and point at something, it starts capturing underexposed frames. Then you like hit the button. It grabs a base frame, it grabs a bunch of underexposed frames around it, merges them all together, you get an HDR photo out of the pixel. That's where you get all the extra dynamic range and detail. The iPhone does essentially the same thing, only it captures one overexposed frame too. Right, so like a thing that is interesting and a fun semantic argument that we will almost certainly have in mere moments is like <laughs> you're not even taking the photo what, when you think you're taking the photo. What's a photo, guys? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. What, I promise you, it's coming. Photo. <laughs> so, at but at least at least with smart HDR and like the pixels HDR, there's a base frame, right? You like hit the button and it it picks a base frame and then it like adds detail to the base frame. Yeah. My understanding of Deep Fusion, which is not shipping yet. We have not used it. We won't use it until it comes out. I saw a photo of a sweater, right? Like, that's what I know about Deep Fusion is that it's you pick up the, the phone, it's capturing a bunch of images, it takes nine images, it doesn't have a true base frame, it interpolates two different base frames, weaves them together, and then adds in all the other detail from the other images. What are these two base frames? Are you talking about the overexposed and the underexposed? It's unclear to me what it is actually doing, but it is it is basically manufacturing a photo at like the pixel level instead of this like we see a face we're gonna use the underexposed frame to pull in detail, right? What if the photo is the timestamp? If the moment that you clicked the shutter button, there's a timestamp, and so you're telling the phone, I want a photo that looks like things look right now, and then all the frames it captures forward and back in time, it's trying to bring those close to look like whatever stuff looked like at the timestamp, unless people were blinking or people that you don't like were in frame. <laughs> I mean, that's like what it's doing. So it shoots a deep fusion, shoots a total of nine images. Before you even push the shutter, it's already captured four short and four secondary images. When you press the shutter, it takes a long exposure image and then the neural engine fuses them all together and hits it pixel by pixel to pick like the correct tones and, and extract detail. Right. So at no point do you have like a base frame, which is like the thing to me that like all the smart HDR stuff is we have a photo that we took and we're going to use like all this additional detail from under and overexposed photos to like fill in that photo. Like this is the photo, which is basically what all HDR is, right? Like if you took HDR photos of the DSLR before, you would basically just a bracket and then merge back, right? This is like you're taking a, you're basically taking a video at different exposures and then you're sort of like merging that video into one photo that happened over time. It's, it's nuts. I think I'm so excited by this just because it's, they're pushing the level of computational photography like well beyond what cameras do. I, I mean, at what point could you just take a video? You just, you just have someone sit down for their portrait. You start filming them from one angle. Then you move around a little bit just to get some more angles. And then you like, when you in post, you say, this is the angle from which I want a, a photo to be generated. And then you just take all that. I guess you don't get all the exposure stuff. Paul, I'd like to officially yeah. welcome you to the what is a photo debate. Okay. <laughs> Here it is. We're having it. You were just described like basically how, like, how photos were constructed like a hundred years ago, right? Like, the dawn of photography photos like took minutes and they were like, that's right. But, so like, but, but the camera was staying still. Yeah. Pres sure. uh, well, unless the photographer is like, you know, like a drunk Victorian. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've never is been there in any one other of those kind. <laughs> right? like, I don't know. My understanding of Victorian photographers were they were all quite tipsy. This to me is we're hitting the point where the camera, when you hit the button is no longer like trying to capture what's in front of you. 
it's trying to it's trying to recreate an impression of that for you. And so I'm very I'm very curious to see like, hey, how does this work? B are we are we just getting to the point where like the iPhone's gonna take a burst of photos of your friends hanging out and it's gonna be like, okay, in this one she was smiling, he wasn't. We're gonna like flip his face in for the smiling one, right? And this one, like, they weren't looking, now they are. Right. You know those Vanity Fair photos that they do for the Hollywood issue? Where it's like oh, every yeah. famous actor in the world is lined up. Like that photo doesn't exist. Right, right, right. All those people come in separately and they come in little groups and they cop that photo together. We're just like quickly getting to the place where on the pixel level we're comping a photo. There's nothing to keep Apple from comping in like everyone's smiling. This is how eyeballs and brains work, right? Our eyes are just moving around and our brain constructs something that seems to us like an image or a memory. You know, in my memory, you guys were smiling at me. But in truth, <laughs> true, <Paul. laughs> in truth, there were frowns of disappointment. <laughs> yeah. All images are composites, Neli. Every single one of them. I disagree. I think most they're composited at the neural level on your brain and at the neural engine in the iPhone. <laughs> Double neurons. It's photographs that were the lie this whole time. Yeah. Well, so this is the thing. It's like you're like, oh, but there's no base frame of a moment in time. But there was never a perfect moment in time instant because that thing like it's like Zeno's paradox you know you can you get halfway 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 like a second is forever half a second like the exposure is never like instantaneous in like the like Newtonian sense of you know the you know limit going to blah 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 mm-hmm. yeah. so this thing that you that was some incredible mind, calculus right there right the thing that's <laughs> blowing your mind that there's like no base frame well the base frame was a composite in the first place we just like didn't think of it that way because we didn't have the technology to like think about what it was you know doing over time mm-hmm. just saying well so right now there is no base frame because this feature has not shipped it's one picture of a sweater <laughs> um, <That's true>. and <laughs> two pictures of sweaters yeah i'm very excited to have this argument when this does ship and you know we get some more details on how it actually works i think there are some philosophical questions about computational photography that we should have because most people think you hit the shutter, the shutter opens and closes, it hits a sensor, that that is the photo. Right. And if we're quickly coming to a place where your smartphone, which is the most common camera in existence, is making things not look exactly like reality, looking like enhanced reality, where it's able to add detail to an environment where they're, like you were not perceiving detail. Like where it's basically like creating the impression of reality that you wanted but that wasn't there. Like it's we should just have like we should just start talking about that. We're gonna ban all journalists from buying iPhone 12s because the pictures they yeah. take won't be accurate to reality. And so like in the future journalists are gonna be using crappier cameras than everybody else. In reality, uh, yeah, Paul be frowning in all photos. <laughs> light is traveling at multiple angles, and sensors typically only capture one angle of the light that's traveling. So theoretically, you could see around objects if you could see all the angles of light. Yes, and then you get one of those camera, you get one of those smartphones that have like forty-five lenses on the back, like the light show cameras. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is just where uh, uh, th- what's interesting to me about this is one, it didn't ship. My understanding is that like. This was supposed to be the feature, and they mm, missed yeah. it, which is like a big iOS 13 story. Like the iOS 13 release cycle is pretty messy. It's cattywampus is a technical term. So, like again, we we have we have one picture of a sweater that everybody saw, and then like the the second picture of a sweater that we got to see as well. That's it. <laughs> That's what we know of Deep Fusion. Does it work? Does it not work? 
Um, it could never ship, right, which is the thing. But you've got these three cameras in the back of the Pro. You've got night mode. You've got new effects um, in portrait mode. You've got this deep fusion thing. You see them aggressively having to chase, in particular, the Chinese phone manufacturers. Because if they want to sell a bunch of iPhones in China and no one's using iMessage and there's no lock-in, then they have to compete on specs and hardware. And you see like Apple having to do that in the Apple way I think is really interesting. So they, yep, they've added a bunch of lenses, they've added a bunch of effects, they've added a bunch of modes. Uh, we should talk about the front camera. It's been upgraded. It's been upgraded. It's 12, and then they, they do the thing that Samsung does where like it, you can choose between wide or not so wide, but it's still the same lens, basically. Yeah, so when you have it in uh, portrait, it like crops in a little bit. And when you rotate it to landscape, it crops out a little bit. It's neat. Like I, I think the wide angle selfie lens on the on the Pixel is like still the best demo that I've given of a of a phone in a long time. It's the thing people are the most excited about. So it's great. They like competed there a little bit. I will say the the camera app overall is like right on the edge of like becoming Samsungy in terms of we're gonna like give you a bunch of features uh, because we're gonna impress you with featureitis and then you don't really know how to use any of them or find them and you forget about them. It's like almost there. You know, they, they did this thing where they changed the shutter button, so you hold your finger down on the shutter button to record a quick video, and then it's like, well, what if you want burst? Well, then you, like, you like slide it down for burst, and you slide it up to, like, stick it into, like, a stuck recording thing, so you don't have to hold your finger down. Very clever. Once you see it, you're like, oh, that's really clever. That's great. You can, like, swipe over into the, the lens frame from that shutter area, and it'll, like, reveal di- other different options for you. Instead of switching modes, you can, like, get to like that's where your you know flash on or off settings are also a very clever nice touch but again a thing you need to discover so they've packed enough into this camera now where they've hit the limit of what feels apple-esque in a camera interface of like simplicity that literally every single android manufacturer copied for years yeah but now and or apple is like getting to the place where like they need to figure out how to cram this many things into a camera interface and still have it be uh, comprehensible. It's ironic that I'm complaining that there's not one more setting there for the HD HD stuff for video. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, I mean they've you know they've reorganized it a little bit. They have a new font, which Phil Schiller called that on stage SF Camera, which he said is uh, quote so pro. Which was very funny. It was like he was obviously making a joke, but it was very yeah. funny. Why didn't they go into depth on that? Like, what is different about SF Camera? Is it is it is it because so, it looks like that weird font on camera lenses or something? I, I have no idea. I, we uh, I will say we did not look at it deeply enough compared to that. It was not the focus of our, <laughs> our extremely frantic hands-on time. Was like let's look at this <laughs> these fonts. So that's the pro. I mean, like they added an eighteen watt USB C charger in the box. Like for I heard Joanna for the pro, not for the yeah. eleven. I think I heard yeah. Joanna Stern like cheer when that happened because she's been asking for it for a long time. <laughs> uh, but it's USB C to Lightning. Uh, it seems like it's a pretty big charger, actually. Like, I don't think Apple is great at making small chargers. Like, there's <laughs> no. a part of me that's like, you should just let Anchor do it. Um, they sell them in the stores now. But the, the iPhone 11 is still 5 watt, right? Yep. Yeah. I did not know until Dieter told me on the Vergecast last week that the iPhone still shipped with 5 watt chargers. <laughs> sure does. Ridiculous. Um, and then the OLED display is uh, it's 18% more efficient Something uh, like in that. terms of power. Yeah. Um, it has it's 800 nits brighter than normal, 1200 nits brighter 
Um, if you're doing an HDR mode like Dolby Vision. Yeah, so, but only in the peaks is it 1,200 bright. A lot of people say, oh, it's 1,200 brighter. It's actually only 1,200 brighter in the peaks in HDR mode. So, like, you know, the brightest thing in an HDR video can get up to 1,200. But the number you should actually care about is 800 brighter outside. Yeah, so it's 800 yeah. and it's normally outside. If you watch a Dolby Vision movie from iTunes or whatever, yeah. the peaks can hit 1,200. That is actually impressive. I have not been impressed uh, with the iPhone XS's claimed HDR display, mm-hmm. this one actually looks pretty bright to me. But they <laughs> renamed it. Uh, it is now the Super Retina XDR display. Which leaves them space for next year to call it the Super Retina ProMotion XDR display <laughs> when they finally increase the refresh rate to match everybody else. Uh, kill me. That's coming for you. Super Retina ProMotion XDR display. Yeah. So they pulled the XDR from their, their Pro XDR display they put out with the Mac Pro, yeah. which is like an insanely expensive display. And it, like, you know, perfectly color calibrated. It has this like peak brightness that no, nothing else can do, blah, 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 blah. And now they're like, our phone has it too. And it's like, this is just about as bright as a Samsung display. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but it looks really nice. It has this thing that I don't quite understand that I'm going to dig on called spatial audio. The iPhone 11 has this too. So it supports vision and Atmos, has all the lights. There they are. But then it has something called spatial audio. So you're watching, I think the demo that they showed us was uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Mm -hmm. which is a horrible movie. Just, I have to tell you, it's not a good movie. I own it. That's the mistake I made. I bought it on iTunes. I own it. Why? Why? Because I'm dumb. Okay. I, I don't know. It was like, you know, it was like not out to rent yet, but it, it, was the, it was the thing that was dumb enough that I wanted to watch, so I own it. Yep. I got windowed into owning this movie. Anyway, so they start playing it, and I literally said, oh, God, not this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the poor person doing the demo was like, are you okay? It's like, no, it's just a bad. Anyway, that was the demo. So that movie is Envision and Atmos on iTunes. Uh, looks very bright. Lasers out of a monster's eyes. All the good stuff is happening. Explosions are bright. And then their their thing is... Last year, the iPhone XS had wide stereo, which was indeed very impressive. Like, the iPhone XS is one of the best sounding phones I've seen in a while, at least from Mm -hmm. its internal speakers. Now they've added this thing called spatial audio, which sits alongside Atmos. So, like, games on the iPhone can use the spatial audio encoder, but they don't have to be Atmos games. And then, like, Atmos movies get the benefit of, like, spatial audio. I... Like I said, I don't quite understand it. I'm going to dig on it and figure out what it means. But there's basically the second audio encoding next to regular wide stereo. So like a YouTube video, this podcast gets the benefit of wide stereo, which basically was like a crosstalk eliminator for the left and right channel. So it sounded wider. Spatial audio is like makes it supposed to sound like it's around you. And I'm unclear how it plays with Atmos, but like a YouTube video doesn't get spatial audio by default. Are you just talking about the speakers? This doesn't help me at all if I plug in. Well, first I buy a a, a lightning to, um, I I buy an adapter so I can plug my headphones. But theoretically I could plug headphones into this or where, you know, Apple sells AirPods, right? I could connect headphones to a phone and then hear like, like, why would you do this? Why would you watch a movie with surround sound from the phone speakers? Well, I think a thing that is true um, is that headphones are now so complicated and annoying <laughs> that people just run their speakers all the time. Uh, people watch a lot of content just on their phone. I'd do it. So it sounds good. The speakerphone is, like, better because of it. That's okay. a thing people use. And then a thing that is true, and I say it out loud, is AirPods sound bad. And so, like, you might have a better experience watching a movie through <laughs> your phone speakers uh, than oh. your AirPods. 
which is a real, uh, real line that Apple's walking up to with these phones. The spatial stuff helps you none at all with headphones. No, as, as far as I can tell, it, this is all speaker-based stuff. So that's like the big set of changes. The the 11 has a spatial audio too. Is there anything else from the Pro? That's like it. It's it's basically, and again, I have to keep saying this because it's on the list, faster LTE. Right. But you have to be in a place with a faster LTE network for that to work for you. Yeah, which uh, is more likely f- uh, for you to find than uh, 5G, and so there's no 5G <laughs> iPhone. That's true. That's a big thing that's missing. That was um, – yeah. There were two extremely dumb Twitter fights about this event that went down. Yeah. Um, one was about whether people were clapping or crying during the event. Yep. I, I would say if people who have followed us for a long time know that we started out in Gadget. The first Apple event I ever went to, I went to with Ryan Block, and he just looked at me and said, don't clap. Everyone's going to clap. We don't clap. We're journalists. I assume yeah. that conversation was over in 2008. Uh, yeah. I'm happy we're having it again 11 years from now. By the way, the media doesn't clap. Like Ever. Apple employees are there and they clap. Yep. Um, maybe some people clap. And then the crying, they played like a heart wrenching ad for the Apple Watch where it was like saving people's lives. Yeah. And there were like babies who weren't dead. And like, yeah, some people got them out. But like, I don't know. That's the point of the ad. I did not cry, but I completely understand why that ad would make you a little misty because it, yeah. A, Apple is good at doing that. And B, like, that's it's what it's designed to do. Can I ask you a question about how emotions work? Because I don't understand them. Yeah. So we're, I'm okay, and I get it, that if something is, like, genuinely, like, touching, heart-wrenching enough that, like, if you tear up, like, you can't be blamed for that. That's not, like, you being a bad journalist. That's just, like, real human, genuine emotion. Yeah. Great. Fully on board. If Apple had created something so incredibly amazing and good that you had the opposite spontaneous reaction of you just couldn't not clap in the same way you can't not cry, would that be okay? Hmm. I don't I don't think I've ever in my life felt I can't clap. <laughs> so hmm. Yeah. Like nothing has ever struck me as now I'm clapping and I don't know why. Like it, I think the clapping is um not okay, but if you let out a whoop. Mm. Like sometimes a whoop can like sneak out. Like, like a what? cry of like a cry of pain. You know, yeah. yeah, it's audible. I mean, I think if you if you go that back, was that was I I had a cry of pain during this event when I saw that it was still uh, lightning on the phone instead of USB C. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, if you go back and watch Apple event streams from years past, you can definitely hear me like laughing, like quite loudly or something. <laughs> um, like whatever, like you're it's a show. You're an audience. I just think journalist clapping has been litigated for so long. The fact there was a Twitter fight about it just like it's exhausting. Yeah, but anyway. The other Twitter fight was, um, should they have made a, a 5G iPhone? And the re- the reasoning is, uh, people are hanging on to phones for three, four, five years. Uh, in theory, 5G in three, four, five years is going to be a real thing. And so to future-proof yourself because you're going to upgrade on a slower cadence, it would be nice to buy a 5G phone now. I do not agree with this. I absolutely do not agree with this. Uh, what's your reasoning? I, I, I understand that people are keeping their phones for longer and longer now. Great. But that also means, like, you want a reason to upgrade your phone when it's time. Like, one of the reasons people keep their phones for a long time is the year-over-year iterative upgrades are not worth it. There are no 5G networks now. The 5G chipsets are bad. So, okay, yep, maybe 12 months from now or 24 months from now, you're going to live in a city and someone has finally won their, their foolish race to 5G. Fine. Okay, at that point, like you're still not missing out. Like you're still operating LT world. You still got your old phone. It's not like you got some magic new capability. And when you do spend the money to upgrade, 
you will receive a very meaningful return for that investment right. versus any additional money you spend now getting nothing and then hopefully one day you know what i mean like it just seems dumb. It, 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 you're not you're paying for the you're paying for hope and i don't think you should pay for hope and no. think think of how much of your day you spend away from the maximum throughput of lte and then also think about 4 hours of battery life kiss it goodbye <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. one of the reasons they made the phones heavier and thicker this year is to get that bigger battery in there. That's a promise they're making now. They cannot go backwards. Right. They can't shave yeah. four, five Ooh. hours off the Max's battery next year when they add a 5G radio. So they're, yeah. right, and Apple thinks their 5G phones are like all but done, right? They know what sure. chips they're going to use. They've probably designed them themselves at this point. Do they like, know what chips they're going to use because they had those, the whole thing with Intel and they got the things with the stuff and yeah. Maybe they don't know. Well, they bought a, they yeah. bought Intel. <laughs> they bought yeah. their, They know what chips they're going to use. They just those they have to manage that team better than Intel did. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if the next iPhone is not five G. I think there's there's a lot of rumors out there that they will put out one with five G, and maybe they'll just do the thing, right? One fancy model, the eleven X S Max, five G, five G, Pro, <laughs> Pro LTE. I mean, it, the names are out of control. But I, I, Ars Technica, John Brockhannon had a great story at Ars Technica this week that like Verizon is lighting up NFL stadiums with 5G. It's like the big promotion they're doing. And like mm-hmm. they can't even get the whole stadium. <laughs> right? Like the small print is like certain seating areas will have 5G. And it's like right. you can't you can't even get the whole stadium. Like I, I understand stadiums are quite large, but they're smaller than cities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way the way I would deploy 5G is just put some loose Ethernet cables on the ground and and then people carry adapters and they plug that into their phone and you know I feel like that's you incredible. could reach as many people for a lower cost. Oh, that's that's cyberpunk. We could like go back to the days of jacking in. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right, in in like old phone booths, just have like hundreds of Ethernet dongles in them. Absolutely. Like if you right now, if you're an executive at uh, like a Netgear or a Linksys, which yeah. are probably merged at this point, I don't even know. But you should pitch like the Netgear 5G network. I mean, it's just you stringing Ethernet cables and like old Netgear <laughs> switches around. Like you you got like a warehouse for those. Let's go nuts. Yeah. No, but like seriously, anytime there's a hard line, there's like an Ethernet you can use, you plug it in, right? Like if it's there and you're sitting down, yeah. you're like, oh, well, this will be faster. Like there should, like yes. they, we should go back to those days. Like internet cafes should have hard lines. The future of the iPhone is an Ethernet dongle. I think is where we've arrived in this conversation. Anyway, it does yeah. not have five G. That's the that was the other big Twitter fight that occurred. Yeah. Like, is this a mistake? I do not think anyone cares. I think nope. right now it is tech demos. The five G networks in the United States are basically millimeter wave networks. Chris Welch has tested a bunch of them. They're very fast. If you are standing on the right street corner in Chicago. You need that mid-band 5G network to get online. That's going to take a long time. Yeah. My whole thing is, like, the very best 5G chipset available today to ship in a phone today is going to be utter garbage in four, compared to what's going to ship in four years Yeah, and three years. And I think that's also, it's, it is also true that Apple literally, like, signed its deal with Qualcomm, settled a lawsuit, spent billions on Intel's modem team. Yep. Like, they're, they're in a little bit of a a reset around its chips, and we know that they're very particular about their chips. Speaking of chips and wireless chips, you want to talk about U1? Did you figure out what U1 is? <sighs> so it's an ultra-wide band chip, so it can kick out an ultra-wide band signal. 
uh, and it is able to see other ultra-wideband chips that kick out ultra-wideband signals, and then they're able to locate each other in space. So you're able to be like, oh, that car is over there, or yeah. oh, that iPhone is over there, and I can airdrop to it. Those are the two examples they gave us. The airdrop thing is coming. You can like point your phone at another phone, and like they can airdrop more easily. They like pop that person to the top of your airdrop list. Um, the other example they gave was like pointed at a car to unlock it. Uh, you could also see pointing it at like a tile. Yeah, the, that yeah. was the rumor going in. Like Apple's Apple's doing a, a tile killer, right? Yeah, but like this isn't like radar. It's not like mapping a room. There might be AR applications for it someday. Who knows? Uh, but it's like a thing that they clearly aren't taking full advantage of right now that's in there that is able to detect other things that are like it. It is kind of like radar. So the technology... Kind of, yeah. What makes it different than a typical wireless radio, like you know how Wi-Fi has channels, right? Or think of a Cat5 cable, right? Like you've got multiple wires in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like typical wireless is 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 narrow through one of those channels at a time right in the in a, inside of a range it's narrow in one channel typically and then you multiplex them if you're trying to do more um, and it's a continuous stream it's like a sine wave or whatever where ultra wide band fills the whole spectrum all at once with a big pulse but the pulse is very short that's the that's the technological difference, and that pulse design makes it good for this location stuff, and then the location stuff makes it potentially like really great in conjunction with other wireless technologies because if you know exactly where something is, it's easier to send a lot of data to it instead of blasting a lot of yeah. data in all directions. Yeah, you can beam form to the thing. I'm very I'm very excited about you. What I hope it's not just total complete proprietary. Total oh, patented. Paul. To- <laughs> Paul, my friend. I want nice things. Paul, I don't. What are you doing, man? I take it back. I'm not optimistic anymore. Yeah. I mean, you're like, you know how you, everyone thought you were smiling, but really you're uh, I got I got news what, for you, buddy. How about this? When you're taking a photo, theoretically, the, the um, UWB or the, the ultra wideband can find things in, inside a very small, like, like maybe with 10 centimeter precision or maybe even less. Uh, so you take a photo of your friends and all the ones that are, are holding iPhones, their faces aren't blurred, but then everybody else's faces are blurred. Okay. Make it like the blue the blue bubble of photography. I see what you're saying. That's just, a, it's just no. a thought. I, just it's, just, it's just another way to be mean to your friends with an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so just to zoom out on, on you one a little bit, we only noticed it because it was on like the spec sheet slide at the end of the presentation. They didn't say it on stage. They didn't mention it. They didn't say a word about it. They put up the specs and says, Apple designed U1 chip. Then we like, out there, we're like looking at the phones or talking to people. They brought up the car door thing twice, mm-hmm. right? You can imagine unlocking a car. It's like, what car has U1? So maybe, Paul, that's the first opening up of proprietary, right? Like cars will suddenly have similar chips in them. You're going to unlock your car with your phone. Maybe. Who knows? But that's the example. I think the thing that happened was they were supposed to launch this like tag, which we've seen all of this rumors about. There's been some leaks. There's some like codes, like the whole thing. This like tile competitor. It was supposed to be on stage. The U1 is there to support it, right? Like I lost my keys. I'm in the room. The U1 ships can see each other. It's like turn to the right, right? Like magic. It's in that drawer. You're getting closer because that's what it can do. But they didn't ship it, so they just like put it on the screen, and they're like they have this fanciful story about unlocking your car and air airdrop getting better. 
NXP, I don't know if you're familiar with NXP, they have put out a press release. They have created a concept VW car, and their concept key fob uses ultra-wideband so that, um, you know, instead of, like, clicking a button, you can, like, make a little, like, you know, key-turning gesture or some other little, you know, gesture that only you know, and that unlocks your car. Yeah. Wait, okay. like a gesture to unlock? Like, you're holding the key fob, and you, like, go, like, in a circle, and then that, that's what unlocks the car. Whoa. Can someone yeah. tell NXPs that <laughs> buttons are a proven technology and gestures are often quite w- bad and worse than buttons? I, yeah, like, did they never use the Wii? I would also like to issue a press release in response to NXP. <laughs> what is journalism is but exciting. rival press releases in response to small companies? Yeah. In automotive alone, UWB will enable tra- automated trailer hitch activation, oh in-cabin passenger detection, automated valet parking, hands-free parking, lot access, and drive-through payments, okay. to name a few. I mean, those are all things app. I think there is some sort of like weird 802 dot standard around this stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's there. I'm all but certain it's there to support this like tag competitor, tile competitor called Tag. Mm-hmm. It didn't show up. So that's yeah, like nope. two, right? Deep Fusion, I think, was supposed to be. The big feature of the camera. They teased it. It's coming later. They're not going to tease a hardware product. They already did that with AirPower. We know how that went. <laughs> I think, I think they, they've learned that lesson. They're going to wait for it to be done and ready. Um, but I think this chip is there to fundamentally support that thing and then whatever other range it uses. Why do you think they didn't ship uh, reverse wireless charging from the phone to like AirPods? Because I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't occur to me that I want to do that ever. It's real cute in the Samsung ad. And watching the Samsung ad, it's like, yeah, but I'm probably, how often am I in a coffee shop and someone has the exact same phone as me? But that happens a little more often with iPhone. Yeah. And I, I think it'd be cool. Like, we were just traveling. It would be cool if I didn't have to carry an Apple Watch charger around. And I could just like put my watch on the phone and charge it at night. Mm. That'd be neat. Yeah. But like, I think that's why they didn't include it because they, the Apple Watch uses slightly different charging than standard, you know, whatever they use for everything else. Uh, and so they, they couldn't figure out how to get that on the iPhone. You think? Uh, if I like, it's it's a wacky conspiracy theory, but that's that's my wacky conspiracy theory. Well, so the good news is they make all of those products, so one yeah. imagines <laughs> they could probably make that change. Speaking of the watch, we should take a break. Come back, talk about the watch, talk about the iPad. We're gonna review them. It's gonna happen. I will tell you right now. I think most people should buy an iPhone 11, but we're gonna put that to the test. So like, stay tuned for that stuff. Okay, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk about the Apple Watch and the iPad. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Dieter Bone. Yeah. Tell Every me. Week. Every week. <laughs> Every week you complain about the always-on display of the Apple. No. Uh, tell me about this Apple Watch. So it's the Series 5. It has the S5 system on chip, which means whatever. Uh, what... 
it means it's, they've got new stuff in it. Um, but it's the same processor. So what's new is they have a, a display that is called LTPO. It's a custom version of an OLED display. If we want to get deeper into the technicals, you could make me open up OLEDinfo.com or something and figure it out. But that combined with some of the custom, like, processors they have allows them to have a variable refresh rate on the screen from 60 hertz all the way down to 1 hertz. Um, and that, they say, is what allows them to have an always-on screen on the Apple Watch so that you can just see the time without having to make a stupid motion with your wrist, and you're not going to offend anybody by looking at the time. It's just sort of there. And I'm very happy about that. So they added that. They added a compass and they, I don't even, there was like one more thing. That it's, it's cell bands. So the reason it's called the bands, S5, right. the processor component of the S5 chip is the same. They added the compass and they added a wider array of cell bands so they can support emer automatic emergency calling for the cell models internationally. In more countries. That's it, exactly. The prices, I think, basically stayed the same, yeah. uh, which is great. Um, they, you know, uh, they've got like a bunch of different casings now. So there's the stainless steel, there's titanium in a couple of different finishes, there's ceramic, and then there's steel. Um, and then there's, you know, the Hermes stuff and the Nike stuff and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I'm very excited for it just because it has the always on screen. It's something I've wanted since the uh, literally the original one. It's something that Android, it's like the one thing Android Wear had on <laughs> the Apple Watch. Um, so it's great. That's great. I do wish that they had put sleep tracking in. Another thing that was heavily rumored that didn't show up. I'm using sleep tracking. I use Sleep Plus Plus. That's a great name. It's the best, yeah. It automatically tracks on the Apple Watch. I, the visualizations are like okay, but it does pipe into Apple's health app so you can like get all the graphs you want of, you know, whatever. Um, I've realized that the variability of like when I go to bed and when I wake up is like all over the map. Uh, in a way I didn't know before. It like, didn't occur to me. Um, so that was fun. Uh, I wish that had been built in, but it's not. Uh, so the big question is, why not? Is it battery life? I don't know. They say that they still get 18 hours of battery life with the always-on display. We'll see. I, I think that they under-promised on battery life on the Series 4. I think the Series 4 battery life is way better than they said, that, said it was. I get more than 18 hours on it all the time. Um, I'll be curious to see if the Series 5... Um, also over delivers on the promised battery lifetime. Apologies if this is a dumb question, but if you slept with the watch on, when would you charge the watch? So this is this is a fascinating question. I don't. It's it's a different every time. <laughs> what is a photo? <laughs> yeah. No. So like, I'll charge it when you go to take a shower. But the, usually, you know, I don't know about you, but like that's not long enough to like fully charge it. And so like maybe you like before you go to bed, you throw it on the charger while you like do your like you know brush your teeth routine, check the, the windows are open or closed or whatever they're supposed to be, a um, little bit there. So, like, I'm actually charging my Apple Watch um, in little bips and bobs a couple of times a day now instead of just, like, throw it on the thing overnight. Now, eventually, like, I get out of sync. It's just going to die, and so I just have to throw it on the charger overnight, and I don't track my sleep that night. But um, I, like, I like sleep tracking. I think it's neat. I hate wearing something on my wrist when I sleep. That's, like, the thing that's kept me away from it. I, I'm going to convert you because having your wristwatch be your alarm and having the incredibly good haptics and taptics on the Apple Watch be the first thing is so much better than a beeping alarm. You have a chance to wake up without annoying anybody in the room, and it, it's less in, in intrusive. The one thing that um, Withings uh, smartwatch does is it tracks your sleep cycle enough so that it can know what uh, stage of sleep you're in 
and it will you give it a window of like 45 minutes or 20 or whatever and then when you're in that lighter stage of sleep that's when it sets the alarm off on your wrist yeah so you're you feel less grumpy waking up which is great can i tell you a story about how i woke up this morning Okay. Yes. This is a, tr- is a true story. So Please, uh, SFO is a disaster, as you know. They're, yeah. they're d- the main runway is down for maintenance. So my flight was delayed. I landed at like 2.30 in the morning. I got home. I went to bed at 4 in the morning. So this is so I fall, like fall asleep. Dead to the world, like 8 a.m., like I'm four hours into sleep, just like dead to the world. And Becky like taps me on the forehead and just goes, are you serious? <laughs> because she had gotten locked out and was like ringing the doorbell and I was too dead asleep to hear it. <laughs> so she had to go get the extra key and unlock the door. <laughs> and I will tell you, uh, any situation is better than being woken up with your wife going, are you serious? Like in your face. So I, I hear what you're saying, gentle tactics, whatever. Like it's a, it's a low floor for me right now. Um, so they they dropped the series four out of the line. Yeah, um, they're keeping the series three at one ninety nine, which, which is great. They are. This is already. And it, there was another Twitter fight about whether the Apple Watch is a hit product. The Apple Watch is a hit product. It is a, mm-hmm. the dominant smartwatch in the world. It is mm-hmm. cruising towards being like the dominant watch in the world. At one ninety nine, like every kid who has an iPhone gets one of these for Christmas, right? And that's yeah. where they're at. I do think that always on display in the series five. That's one of those things where. I find myself wondering about the expense of the the extra finishes, right? Like I didn't. I bought just the stainless. No, I bought the. I think I'm wearing the aluminum one, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I'm gonna buy it. I don't like. I buy the Series Four. The screen's bigger. I like the apps. Like whatever. It's like finally making sense to me. I've enjoyed wearing it this year. Now I want a Series Five. If I had spent the X because of the always on display. That's it. That's the reason I want it. Um, If I had spent the extra money on a finish. I would feel extremely upset. Oh, because, right. Right. If, I, if I'd if i spent $800 on this thing, I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Like, I just want this one feature. And now I'm like, I have to re-up. And the Series 4 has an LTPO display. Yes, they, they both have LTPO displays. <laughs> but it doesn't have the controller to, you know, uh, ratchet the hertz up and down. So Right. So the, the Apple has a patent on these LTPO displays, or these, like, lower-power OLED displays. You can, like, fall down a deep hole of, like, OLEDinfo.com and, like, weird supply chain manufacturing reports and, like, what LTPO could mean. By the way, my hat is off to the people who write breathless supply chain reports about extremely niche display technologies because you read them and it's like, this could change everything. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) like, four people know what you're talking about and I love you. Um, so you can fall down a hole and like read those and read the patents. It's like quite fun. But it's the controller that does this variable refresh rate. And so when you when you put it down, it basically drops into what you would call a low power mode. The second hand on the analog faces like disappears, and the screen only updates uh, once a second, one hertz a second. And then it's variable. So like sometimes it's only running at like thirty hertz, right? It's like it ramp it can ramp all the way up and all the way down. So they're doing a lot of power management just with the display. If it's running one update a second, why can't it refresh and show the second hand move every second? Is it would it be screen tearing? Because or the sec- because the second you look at it, it'll show you the second hand. It'll it'll brighten up and show you the second hand. Yeah. So their thing is like you're not looking at it. No, but they they show it off like you're doing cool exercises and you're totally looking at it. Right. So when you when you're doing cool exercises and you're like looking at it, 
literally the the like the stopwatch goes from measuring hundredths of a second to one second increments. And then when you just like look at it, it'll add you it'll show you the the more granular time. When you say look at it, you mean do the gesture. The look well, it's not really it a gesture. gesture. You just like turn like right now, right now, like it doesn't show me anything. The way at, right, okay, yes, right now it's a blank screen until you you look at it and you kind of got to move a little bit. And Apple's demo, this, this very strong selling point because I I've always hated the off screen. It just it just bothers me seeing other people wear this phone with the screen off or the, this watch with the screen off. But the way Apple sells it, it's like think of all these times how inconvenient it has been to turn your wrist and, yeah. and and look at your to to brighten up the screen or to turn on the screen. So I'm what I'm saying is like you still have to do that to get the screen to be to be moving. Is what you're saying. Right, to get to get that refresh rate up above 1 hertz, you got to move your wrist. And yeah. so they're doing a bunch of stuff. Right? So if you have like a sweeping second hand, it's animating faster than 1 hertz. Mm. Right? So like the sweeping second hand disappears. Or if you're actually actively interacting with it and scrolling, it, it, it the screen refreshes faster sure, at sure, like sure. a normal screen rate. The the thing that you're stuck on, Paul, I think, is like there are certain things that the activities you do with the Apple Watch where it won't let the screen dim. So like if you're actively exercising, you can like set it to like not go into the screen dim mode, and just so you can like look at it whenever you want without having to do the gesture. Yeah, like that's possible. I mean, I think all of this framing is hilarious because even that like. Their presentation of the always on screen made it seem like a revolution when every watch in history until mm -hmm. Apple put this watch out showed mm -hmm. you the time at all times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like it's it's a classic sort of like they've reset expectations and other ad, but that to me is like a reason and alone to upgrade. And I to, it's the first time I've thought I'm really happy I didn't buy the nicer finish. Like I really was gonna yep. buy the black stainless steel and I didn't because I I wasn't confident that I would like like it. Yeah. And so whatever, and but I'm happy. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy the next one. I know I like it. It's worth the money. But then the Series 6 is going to come out. And like, am I just going to be mad? Yeah. And that's, well, I, so, that's like interesting to me. You know, we're going to review them. But our advice on the iPhones is like most people should get the iPhone 11, not the iPhone Pro, right? And I think with the watches, most people should get the aluminum. Or some, some people should even get the Series 3. Um, and it's very clear that like Apple makes some stuff. And then they make some stuff for people that just want to spend more money to have a nicer thing. Yeah, right, I, and like, the watch is a very clear example of that. It's like, would you like to throw away three hundred dollars to feel like you have a nicer thing? Here you go. Yeah, the the amount of like Apple's entire product line is like a PhD thesis in price elasticity. Yeah, right. Like, how much do you care about how how much things cost? Mm -hmm. And like, for some Apple customers, the answer is I do not at all. Like, whatever it is, just give me the best one, Apple. I shall have it. And then I think now as they've expanded that market and they've like sold so many phones and they're in competition around the world, they've needed to lower those prices and get more competitive. But they definitely have that part of the product line where it's like, I just want the best one Apple makes. Speaking of PhD theses, uh, Neil, I, I want to commend you for not getting into the debate of what constitutes pro and sending me off spinning. Thank you for that. Here's what I believe constitutes pro. Okay. Um, brands are weird and mm -hmm. they don't care about language. That's Apple it. in particular, like, stop trying to make sense of Apple's product names. What does Air mean? Nobody knows. <laughs> what does Pro mean? Wait, wait, wait. This Nobody is perfect. Knows. We're going to segue like, to the iPad. Stop trying. What is the iPad line right now mm -hmm. is at once the most sensible, understandable version of this line that has ever existed. Yep. And also the the wackiest. <laughs> they just made it wackier. Like, it, 
I kind of I get it. Like you, you like you're far away from it. It's in the distance, and you're like, oh, I see the shape of this. And you get up close, you're like, a number of things here don't line up with the image that it <laughs> formed in my head. So they, they so this was a big surprise. No one was expecting this at all. Up until uh, like the day before. Yeah, yeah. Greg Joswiak gets on stage. He's like, there's a new iPad. So that we're replacing the 9.7-inch uh, $329 iPad. Now it's got a 10.2-inch display. Uh, it's got an A10 Fusion chip in it, uh, a, a veritable antique, but here it is. And it's got a smart keyboard connector. Yep. That's the iPad, everybody. Like, see, like, they just read Same price. Same price, $329, which in many ways is like kind of like the best deal in tech right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Like, th- that's it really a, is. That's a, that's a lot of computer for $300. They actually put up a slide. And have we done this? Have we identified what computer that is? They put up a slide showing a Windows PC. Like, this is the top-selling Windows PC this year. And I think Jaws even was like, yeah, I know, because it's, like, ugly. But they showed it, and they're like, the iPad is so much more. Like, the iPad lets yeah. you do so much more. It has all these apps, blah, 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 blah. And then iPad OS with the real browser and so on and so forth. It, this thing is made to, A, go after the education market. Has mm-hmm. a keyboard connector. You can mm-hmm. use a smart keyboard, and it's kind of there to like challenge Chromebooks and cheap Windows laptops. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be successful at that. The three twenty nine one wasn't. Maybe the keyboard connector might help, uh, but also Apple smart keyboard costs uh, one hundred and sixty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there like a cheaper Logitech one though? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but whatever. There's other things that hold the iPad back in education, but we shouldn't get into it. This is the best deal in tech. Like if you if you want to if you don't want to give your relative an Apple Watch. You can give them this iPad. <laughs> That's so rude. Do not do that. <laughs> Yo, no, no, no. That you're, you're like, I'm related to you and enough to, I'm related to you enough. <laughs> I'm related to you enough to demonstrate like a couple hundred bucks worth of care as a gift. Yeah. Like, uh, there, there's like a lot of those relationships. Mm-hmm. That That's AirPods or the 199 watch. Okay. And even the 199 watch is like, you have to know that they don't know that there's a better watch. Like AirPods are like a home run. There's no better AirPods. Mm. Right. And even if they already have AirPods and you gave them some more AirPods, it's still like, yep, you got more of the good thing. The watch, you got to be careful. Yeah. Right. Like I bought you the I bought you the one from two years ago, and the screen doesn't turn on all the time. (laughs) Like I love you that much, kid. Right. Everybody will know that you're you're poor. (laughs) Right. You throw someone a three hundred trillion dollar iPad. It's like I don't really like you. I oh, found on. this in the basement. Wow. <laughs> like, like that's that's a that's a rough gift if you don't if it's not exactly right. Yeah, okay, fair. Okay, so I, there's the iPad mini, then there's the iPad, 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 iPad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it's ten that's the ten to lightning connector ten. headphone jack. Right. Apple pencil support also. Yes. Uh, First gen Apple, Apple pencil. The silly, the silly pencil. Then there's the re- relatively recent iPad Air, which is basically a bunch of parts from like two year, year ago, year half ago, iPad Pro uh, with some other stuff. And they put it together into like this middle zone iPad, lightning connector, keyboard connector. First gen pencil. First gen pencil. And then there's the like iPad Pro. Yeah. So there's four like mini iPad Air Pro. Well, so there's there's a clear line. You want to talk about what pro means? Yeah. Just a second. One second. The air still exists. The air still exists. <laughs> I was not the, aware. They brought it back. So the, the the difference with the air is it's got the the better screen. Right. So the iPad Mini mm-hmm. has an A12 Bionic and a True Tone display. The iPad Air has an A12 Bionic, a True Tone display, Lightning connector, headphone jack. Then in the yep. middle, 
is the iPad. 10.2 non-laminated, 329, A10 Fusion chip, right? Like, it's just like a worse product than the Mini or the Air. Right. But it's the cheap big one. And I think the presence of the cheap big one is we don't account for it enough when we like we talk about technology, but like the the 10R and the iPhone 11 also fit into the realm of like the cheaper big one. Yeah, half of all Windows laptops are sold. the cheap big are ones. The cheap yeah. big ones. Would you yeah. like to look at a mediocre 15 inch display? That will be four hundred dollars. <laughs> like that yeah. product is very popular. The, like how many horrible 65 inch TVs are sold? That's the cheap big one. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just like a real product that exists, and Apple made yeah. a cheap big iPad. Then there, but then there's the hard cut. Yeah, right. And then there's the iPad Pros, which are like seven ninety nine and up, although they're getting discounted. They've got USB C, no headphone jack, like faster GPUs. Basically, they're still A twelves, right? Yep, smaller um, bezels, A twelve Xs or thing. whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they're like the next generation. They've got the variable refresh rate display, like the whole thing, and that's up there for Pro. But they all run the same software and the same apps. Like, they haven't yet, I don't think the iPad Pros have yet, like, developed a software ecosystem of pro stuff. Right. Like, it, it all works on everything. So that's, like, the, I think the next big split that's coming. They're starting to develop that stuff, but you could still run that pro stuff on the smaller ones. It's just that nobody who you buys the cheaper ones tries to do it. Right. So Just like you can run Photoshop on a crappy old Mac or whatever. I mean, I... These iPads are very powerful, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, like a tin chip. Like a, a lot of the the pro apps that I like on the iPad are music apps, and there'll be something where it's like, you know, this one can do like forty simultaneous sample playbacks, but then in this with A twelve you could do eighty, or you know, stuff like that. There's stuff where you can do the same capabilities, but maybe you can do more of it at once or faster on on the A twelve iPad. Yeah. It's just it, all these the incompatible peripherals. I understand if you've got a parts bin iPad, right? But when you're coming out with new iPads with old stuff, like I, there's no I, I I guess I understand that it's cheaper for them to do it, but like the the the, the pencil incompatibility. Yeah. It's just, it's I mean pretty... the pencil is like well so it's there's very clearly a lightning ecosystem of iPads and a USB ecosystem of iPads. So what you're saying is the iPhone Pro should have USB-C. <sighs> I am saying that just because I want to see if Dieter can sigh so much he passes out. <laughs> yes, right? Like, if you just want to, like, put it out there, like, that is the thing they did with the iPad. But I don't think these words mean anything to Apple. I think in the end, everyone just thinks of them as iPads and iPhones, and they have a bunch of, like, signifiers around those core names that do something. Just like I don't think anybody thinks of the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro as being fundamentally distinct products. Right. Well, so just there's this bizarre world called personal computers. And I bought a keyboard for my personal computer. And then I got another computer. Guess what? Keyboard works with the new one. Can you believe it? It's wild. (laughs) Well, if you had one of the three lightning accessories (laughs) in the world, it might work with your new iPad. Anyway, it it was a kind of a surprise announcement. You get why there's a lot of rumors there's going to be another event in October with the uh, new 16-inch MacBook Pro, maybe some revved iPad Pros. You understand Mm -hmm. why they wouldn't want to, like, toss out this iPad. Although they could have just done it as a press release. They could have. Nothing in the world would have stopped them from doing this as a press release. They need to give it at least a little bit of juice, a little bit of love, to like because they really do need to catch up to Chromebooks and education. Yeah, I think if they had had if they had had like the tag for the iPhone, this iPad would have been cut, 
and relegated yeah. to a press release. Ooh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think if they had shipped some of the other stuff that was, that was rumored that's in the pipeline, yeah, absolutely this would have been would have been a press release time. I think if Apple put a the the 9.7 inch screen on the, back in this, the slower processor back in this, and they uh, bundled it with the pencil and the keyboard and sold it for three hundred thirty dollars, it'd be the best selling computer in the world. Well, Paul, sure. Here's what I think you should do: you should buy a bunch of these, put that bundle together, start an Amazon store, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> There's your startup idea. Yeah. No, but the bundle is is five. Five hundred dollars, hundred and sixty plus. I'm not going to do the math, but you know, it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I refuse to do this. It's six hundred dollars. It's six hundred dollars. Uh, speaking of math, just two things to talk about. They announced a price for Apple TV Plus, four ninety nine a month. We got to see we got to see the blind Aquaman trailer. The four ninety nine a month thing isn't the most important part. It's four ninety nine a month, but if you buy any Apple hardware at all, you get a year for mm-hmm. free. Yeah, which means. A bunch of people are just going to get Apple TV for free, um, which is going to really juice their numbers. And so, you know, when we're there's like industry stories in eight months of Apple TV versus Disney Plus versus Quibi versus Hulu versus Netflix versus HBO Max. Versus oh my god! AT and T TV Apple, Plus. Yeah, Apple like basically is like they're on the on the cost of their hardware margins is going to be like up in the upper echelons of that conversation just by default because a ton of people are just going to have it for free. Yeah, but like they've got what, 10 shows? Like it Yeah. It's weird that like a thing you get with an iPhone now is like a, a Jennifer Aniston show. Like I mean that's like the reality of it. This, like this works with with music. It doesn't work with music. I well, mean like well, it, I, you get 3 months of Apple Music as a subscription, sure, but like Apple doesn't make the music. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's why it works better to to give this for free with music because if someone becomes accustomed to Apple Music, like they're not going to stop. Like you know, there's not just one season of your favorite band and it's only on Apple Music. You know, but this this is implying that yeah, they have these shows that are somehow co- compelling enough that after a year you'll want to start paying five dollars a month to keep watching. I want to actually, I want to actually press you on the. There's not a one season of your band and then they're done because I, <laughs> I've listened to Arcade Fire. Okay. <laughs> what I meant to say is that when you say a music subscription service, you mean music. You don't mean Spotify's proprietary lineup of bands you can hear nowhere else. Well, Spotify now has a proprietary lineup of podcasts you can hear nowhere else. Well, I, I mean, don't listen to It's those. all happening. <laughs> like I, I encourage you to talk to Ashley. Like that's her beat. She's on it. She's on the case. Like it's it, that thing where you own the content, make it. Uh, look, I think it's going to get them in the conversation. I think the trailer we saw of C, which is Jason Momoa in a world where everyone's blind, hundreds of years in the future, looked so nonsensical and dumb that like I can't, I don't even believe that they made it. Right? But is it exciting that like you get some like free high production value show to watch? Like, sure. Is that going to make you buy another iPhone a year from now if you decide the ecosystem isn't worth it to you anymore? Like, I think the thing they're doing is they're just making the the ecosystem more and more like valuable. So you have to give up more and more things to switch. That's a great way to spend money. Is Apple TV Plus going to become a profit center for this company over time? I have no idea because they have to. They're going to have to. If the morning show is successful. They gotta get Jennifer Aniston come back for season two. That's not an asset with like lots of value unless they make a bunch of seasons and turn into friends. That's a lot of money. And then what? You're just not gonna ever 
That part to me is confusing in a way that the games, for example, are way less confusing to me. So the game service is also announced, Apple Arcade, four ninety nine a yep. month. You get a bunch of games that have no scammy free-to-play ads, no in-app purchases. They're just like beautiful little jewels of games, and then more of them will appear over time. And that to me is like incredible. Like that's It's the best thing that they've ever done with the App Store is yep. like there's a place here where there's cool games that we've vetted, we've selected, they're high quality, there's no scams or bullshit in them. Just like enjoy, like absolutely worth five dollars a month to me. And they've they've got a bunch of like really interesting like indie games that a lot of people have actually been waiting for. I'm way more excited about arcade than I am about Apple TV Plus. I just am because uh, I'm looking for my next iPhone game, and now I like I don't have to like look. It'll just, I'll just do that. I think it's going to create a lot of winners and losers. Um, I still don't know how developers get paid in this uh, system. That's going to be a very fascinating thing. Will the second year of Apple Arcade have as good a games. How much is Apple subsidizing these games? How much, what cut of that five bucks a month the developers get? Is it going to be enough? Is it actually going to fund stuff? Like the, the whole economics of games on the iPhone are very, very different and also very, very broken, right? They're broken. It's bad. The incentives are bad. So these incentives theoretically are good, but they might not be. They're just definitely better than what we have right now. Well, I think uh, it's so, at least definitely going to lead to better consumer experiences. Yeah, for sure. Right. There's going to be less – just anything that's less free-to-play games and it's not, man, I hope this game is worth 15 to $30, which is right. sort of the two buckets you have now. Anything that yep. like fills in that middle zone of like this is a high-quality, complete object, right, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. like play it and that will be fun, I'm excited about it. I, I think it, it's the smartest thing they've done. Yeah. Uh, it is ironic, though, because uh, back when the App Store first launched, uh, it was a revolution because people were tired of having to beg mobile carriers to include their games on the phone because that was the only <laughs> way to make money. Now they can make money without having to beg carriers to let them in the door. Huh. Yeah, that that <laughs> what really I don't know why it doesn't rub me the wrong way with the television stuff, but with video games, I just don't like the idea of an indie studio like that. They're, I, I mean, happy for all of the indie studios that won the lottery and, and hopefully Apple's paying them a lot. If Apple's p- not paying them a lot, I hate this a lot. But but the idea that you, you, now you're designing your company around hoping that Apple thinks that you match their vision for for games. You know, I, I, there's a layer of indirection. Your customer becomes Apple, not game people who play video games, if that makes sense. Yeah, but if you want those people, you can just make an App Store game. Sure, sure, absolutely. Or you, you can make a, I don't know, I mean, like, you have to get a license from Nintendo to make a Switch game. Yeah, it doesn't hurt me in any way, it's just, I, it doesn't excite me. Yeah, I mean, that that production company model is, like, also real. Like, if you want to make TV shows, your customer is Netflix and ABC and whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, that's been around for a while. I I don't know, there's a part of me that's like, this is, this is a thing that will make the iPhone ecosystem radically different than the Google ecosystem. At least until Google does the same thing, which it sounds there's, like there's a rumor that Google's you know, doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We're way over. I clapped, by the way. I couldn't help it. There it is. That's the time <laughs> when I clap without helping it. Yeah, I'm so excited about Paul's segment. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Paul Miller. Uh huh. Every week. Yeah. With shocking consistency. Uh huh. You do a thing. What's that thing called? It's called. 
Here's the place where we do the crimes. Signed, your friend, a team. <laughs> Isn't this the same as this is actually consistent to last week? <laughs> yeah, it's the that's the thing. It, the, the segment doesn't just have the same name. It's also part of a shared universe about teens who do crimes. <laughs> All right, I got it. I, I, I you know, it, it's funny how after several seasons, it's finally this shared universe has been revealed. Right. It's all all the, the threads coming together. So <laughs> Google's doing this thing um, with AR Core. So, you know, like Apple makes AR Kit, Google makes AR Core. These are like technologies to scan your environment, find like little points of visual interest and do like tracking with it, right? So you can do AR experiences like Pokemon Go. Google is adding like a, a, a save button to AR Core so that you save let's say you put your Ikea lamp in the middle of a park, right? And you're tracking it and then you click save that is, it can be a persistent cloud anchor that other people theorize, like maybe your friends or whatever. Um, like, you know, Minecraft is doing something like this with um, uh, using Microsoft has similar technology for like these cloud type anchors. So that there's going to be shared, uh, Minecraft experiences where I built a thing and my friends can see it. it. Not just they can see it, but they can see it in the same place where I, I built it in AR. All that to say, what the teens put put little messages up and say, here's the place where we do crimes, and then they share it with each other somehow. I don't know. It's not fully fleshed out, but I'm excited about uh, uh, cloud anchors. Because I, I just, so, it's, yeah. So I saw Microsoft demo a bunch of cloud anchor stuff to me. A while back, I will say they were mostly interested in like architects, land surveyors, not so much into teams doing petty crimes. <laughs> but I like that sort of like the Google riff on it is like, what if we open this up to young criminals of all of all stripes? <laughs> um, Google is opening this up to developers. There's like a there's this Mark AR app where you you do you do um, pretend graffiti. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but see, obviously the thing is is that. You can't make this just like the world is one big MMO, right? Of of AR stuff right. because every it would just be dicks. Like everybody'd be drawing dicks all the time, and you'd you'd be inundated. So they there have to be so like that Minecraft Earth. You can create make these things. This is the Microsoft version of this technology. Uh, you can make things and share them with your friends. Um, and and but I don't think. I'm hoping someday there is some sort of we figure out we solve the dick problem and we somehow can have a shared world because I do want some way of of just uh, 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 discovering weird stuff in the world that someone has built you know like maybe they they made a sculpture out of IKEA furniture you know in AR and they've saved it into like a park I visit and I'm at the park and so I just see hey there's something in this park you want to look at it and I say yes and then I can see it through my phone I think that's pretty cool obviously when we get AR glasses that's going to be even I think I that seems like what the world will be like someday if we could solve the uh the dick problem yeah step one uh, fix YouTube comments. <laughs> Step two: Anybody can put right. any virtual object anywhere, and we all see it. It's and, easy, uh, you know. Like, yeah, I was gonna say the. Um, can you imagine the if like the ecosystem lock-in problem of like the world is entirely different if you have an Apple phone? Oh yeah, versus an Android phone. <laughs> like you see incompatible realities. <laughs> no, that's exactly what's gonna happen. It's that's a hundred percent what's gonna happen. All right, Dieter, walk us through these Pixel Four leaks. Let's end like the iPhones here. 
you know, we're going to do reviews. Like, tech season has started. But they're obviously, and even as we talk about the camera, as much as we talked about the camera, they're up against not only, like, the Pixel 3 and the Note 10 or whatever, but sort of, like, promise of the Pixel 4, right? Because we expect that to lead the way for Android for the next minute. There are just so many (laughs) leaks. It's been reviewed on camera. Uh, We have seen the orange color. We've seen a walkthrough of how the face unlock works. Um, there's claims that it's going to have 8x zoom and improved uh, night sight. It's just there, there's even like camera samples and like these are like not, are rough and ready enough where like we can't like really make judgments off this stuff. But like it's every day. Mm-hmm. It's every day, y'all. Uh, there is one to three new Pixel 4 leaks. And I don't know. I, you want me to walk through? It's like the, it's the whole phone is out there. The whole thing. <laughs> Like I'll, you know, is Google bad at securing things, or is Google thirsty for coverage? I think it is ninety percent Google's bad at securing things, and ten percent they're thirsty and they're like they're not super sad that all these leaks are happening right around the time the iPhone got announced. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in the Pixel Four. I do think also Google is just notoriously leaky. Yeah, right. They're like, but like these leaks are. Maybe it was the same last year. I mean, the, the things like literally like got stolen from a truck, fell off a truck last year. Actually, oh look at that! One of the YouTube videos got taken down. Hmm. Look at that! It's funny because you know Google uh, owns owns that platform. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Um, <laughs> it's like um, that's just a call they can make at any time. <laughs> um, there's apparently a new voice recording app, which is exciting. I like the or- the way the orange one looks. Uh, the The way that they're handling the the finish with the glass and the bezels and all that stuff for, across the different colors seems really interesting. But the only thing that really matters is what are they going to do in the software that we haven't seen yet? We've already seen the Face ID. Uh, we've also seen the theming. The theming actually looks kind of interesting because uh, it looks like it's not as like do whatever you want and get kids who just discovered Tron and manga building themes. You actually get like some like nice subtle you know, themes that feel like they fit with the phone. But, like, what else is there? Like, what is the quality of the photos? What are they actually doing in the photos? Battery life. How's the battery yeah. life? Yeah, the battery life, especially in the small one, will matter. Yeah, what else is there to, what else, like, what other mysteries are there left for the Pixel 4? There just aren't. Yeah, I mean, d- does the Soli gesture stuff actually work? Well, yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, like, we, we, I think we know what the phone is. We have no idea whether it's any good. It's funny they should just release it now and let us review it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They shouldn't have an announcement event. They should just, like, hand it out to reviewers and be done. <laughs> well, they, if they get every carrier, which is, I think, what we're expecting this time around, they need to, like, build some hype. But it's interesting that, you know, it's the iPhone's going to hit. People are going to get them. I personally am wondering if there are, in this world, iOS to Android switchers or people are just happy in that ecosystem, particularly because of iMessage lock-in. But they're going to go up against, like, Apple's putting out a phone into a world where the Pixel 4 all but exists. Yeah. Right. You're already measuring it against this phone that you know is coming that has set the tone for cameras for so long. I think that's that's super interesting, but we have to actually get it and see it. I will say, I'm, I'll put this out there. I, I understand it has been technically surpassed. There has never been a phone camera as good as the Pixel 2. And what I mean by that is the Pixel 2 was like a step change for cameras. It was so much better than everything in its class, than everything that had come before it. And we've just been iterating on that pattern. I thought the Pixel 3 was a little disappointing in that regard. Like it went kind of sideways. It didn't go forward. I hope the Pixel 4 can like push it again. I'm like yeah. looking for and they're adding lenses and stuff to the back. We'll see. Um but that's what I'm looking for from the Pixel 4. Okay. 
I think that is all of the phone news from this week. That's enough. I, I is mean, that, have we have we accomplished it all? Did you know Motorola like has a phone coming? Oh my like, god! Like, nobody knows Motorola still exists. <laughs> all right, some of the phones are going to start folding soon. We got to get these. You got to like milk it from the candy bars as long as we can, and then they're going to yeah. add G's next year. Fifteen cameras, thirty-four G's, folds Good. in half. Good. Here you go. Finally. Only runs on only runs on Apple's NVNO. All right, that's it. That's the broadcast for this week. I know a long one. Thank you for sticking with us. It is tech season. It's here. Apple had its stuff. There's going to be a Surface event. They promised not only hardware but experiences. You will have experiences with Surface devices. That's that, that's out in the world. Presumably, Google will do something for a Pixel. They'll just do low flybys of New York City, dropping them out of a plane, so everyone can just have them. Amazon just announced they're doing a thing on the 25th. Amazon has an event. We're in it. It's here. The most exciting part of the year if you're into gadgets. It's hardware season, so... Get ready for a lot of very long Vergecasts that are coming at you. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Paul. Paul.